Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 331. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of Lended FinTech. Before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about a new event from Lended FinTech. Nexus, the Dealmakers Summit, is all about making deals. We'll be bringing together a select group of venture capitalists, bankers, fintechs, and debt investors for two days of face-to-face meetings in Miami on February 7th and 8th. Also at Nexus will be Lendit's famous industry awards show back in person for the first time since 2019. You can find out more about all our upcoming events at lendit.com. Today's interview was recorded at Lindit Fintech LATAM 2021. It is my interview with Pierre Paulo Barbieri. He is the CEO and founder of Voila. The title of this talk was Moving from a Payments App to a Full Payments Ecosystem. Now, even if you're not that interested in Latin American fintech, I highly recommend you listen to this episode. Pierre Paulo is really one of the leaders in Latin America, and his company has just done some amazing things. They've had, he had the largest funding around in the history of Argentina. They're a unicorn, and they have three and a half million users, 25% of the Argentinian population of the 18 to 25 year olds are using Wala today. Keep in mind they didn't exist five years ago. It's really impressive growth that they've had. We talk about how they started and how um, they really moved from just a debit card into a really full suite of payments products. We talk about the challenges of moving beyond their home country. They're now in Mexico as well. And we talk about the big challenge of cash that's still, as Pierre Polo says, the biggest competitor for Wallara and not the other fintechs or banks. He says it is cash. Everyone's really trying to move customers beyond cash. And he talks about how they're trying to do that. It really was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for joining us at Lender Fintech Latam, Pierre Polo. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. Of course. So let's get started. Let's get right to it. And I want to go back to sort of to the founding story of Voila and you know, why you decided to start with payments and a prepaid debit card. We live in a continent where over 50% of adults have never had a payment mechanism that is in cash. And so when we doom people to operating only in cash, we don't give them the chance to build a credit history so that they can make progress in life or to save or to access insurance and let alone access payments. And so what we thought is give an account to everyone, give them a global payment mechanism, which in our case is a global MasterCard. And then with that information, we are better able to offer investments, offer savings products, offer credit, offer installments, offer insurance now. And since the last time we talked, we've expanded on all those verticals as well as launching merchant acquiring, which, you know, when there are more cards in the market, there's more need for card acceptance. And so, you know, we're closing that loop and boosting the whole financial ecosystem. Right, right. You obviously made a name for yourself where you've got a pretty large customer base with the debit card, but you mentioned a whole bunch of other products there. What's the key to expanding into other products successfully? At the core, what we want to do at Voila is to do exactly what our clients want. And so when we started back in the end of 17 and early 18, what we built were the basic things that people needed for their day-to-day transactionality. Bill payment, cell phone top-ups, mobile top-ups for your urban mobility. And only then when we had that basic product, transactional product finished, you know, global card to pay anywhere, 
and bill payment and all those things, did we build and launch the two main pillars of banking, which are investments, you know, how do you save money and get a return on that money? And then credit, you know, the ability to borrow money. We started with personal loans, then we added installments, which is our own version of buy now, pay later, 18 months ago. And very recently, we also launched credit lines. So we're able to give people the ability without a balance in their accounts to get a small loan to pay a specific service or something else. And more recently, we launched the other things that people asked us about, which are one, insurance, where we believe our accounts are a better delivery mechanism for insurance products all across Latin America. There are many countries where only two, three, five percent of people have access to insurance. And obviously, merchant acquiring, because now in Argentina, we have millions of wallets around, millions of new cards, but businesses and especially small businesses pay outrageous fees to take cards. And so we created a product that is able to deliver to them a better acceptance experience, just like Square did in the United States right. or Pago Seguro did in Brazil. And so we're able to give them the ability to take those payments and that acts as a cash into our ecosystem. With Wallabiz, when you sell something, then that money is immediately in, in live credited to your account and then you can use all the plethora of other services that we've built around that. Is your vision then to really keep your customer base really offering them a whole range of financial services and keep them within the app so they don't have to go elsewhere for anything? That's exactly right. So our idea was always to build a financial marketplace, but that marketplace doesn't mean to verticalize every product. So we're not an insurance company and we don't believe that we're going to get the best expertise at doing insurance. There are other people that are better at that. And so we cut a deal with with Willis Towers Watson to be able to deliver insurance products to our customer base. You know, so we have mobility insurance, we have health insurance, we have purchase protection insurance, we have cell phone insurance, which is amazingly popular. We have pet insurance, which is unbelievably popular. Those are the things that we've built with a partner because they need a better delivery mechanism and we need to be able to offer our clients the ability to get insurance. But that doesn't mean that Walla has to be the deliverer of that insurance. We are the ones that deliver credit. We are the ones that deliver savings. You know, we have 1.5 million savings account or investment accounts. We built our own asset manager on the back of that so that we are able to offer a better fee product to everyone in the country. But at the same time, you know, that doesn't mean we verticalize everything. So insurance and there are other verticals that are remain unlaunched. So I cannot discuss them where we go out in the market, get a partner, and integrate that into the financial marketplace that we offer all of our clients. Interesting, interesting. So, so it sounds like you're trying to build the super app for Latin America. Not um, outside of the financial sector. You know, right. we're not going to do food delivery. We're not okay. going to be the one that delivers an iPad to you necessarily. We're not going to you know, cook your food. We're not going to send you a car. But we are going to offer all those financial products. And I think right. that is where you know, trust comes in. When you build a financial company where people trust their savings to you, get credit from you, trust their money to you, and you go to sleep with it, you have to be able to build that trust. And so we wanted to create a brand that fit that. And that's also why we went and got the licenses that were needed to be able to provide all those services that we wanted to create at drastically lower costs than previously existed in our markets. And that's why we have acquired a bank license in Argentina and we're in the process of acquiring a bank license in Mexico. And that helps boost the ability to provide products that people need that they are not currently getting. Right, right. Yeah, I do want to talk about that in a second. But before we go there, like you've been famously successful inside Argentina in a very short amount of time. And now you're moving beyond your home country. What are the biggest challenges that you've found so far in 
moving beyond a place where you say you've built a brand. I mean, every young person in Argentina seems to know Wala now. What's the biggest challenge moving beyond into a new country? Just to be clear, we have a long way to go. You know, we have almost 4 million customers of Walla, you know, 11% of the country, 25% of the young, but there's another 75 that we don't sure. have, you know? Okay. And so there's a lot to grow there and we're very eager to do that. And that's why we boost the ecosystem because the cross-selling works when you offer a variety of products and you give people the chance to do whatever they want to do. That said, I will say that, that in going international, the biggest challenge is obviously licenses. Right. Financial services is heavily regulated for good reason. And obviously, there's this question about the ability to get the licenses when you're a fintech. And we're very proud of having a world-class compliance team, a world-class legal team that was able to go to a place like Mexico, operate in Mexico. We have over 400,000 customers in Mexico, and we're now in the process of acquiring a bank. You know, There's only 50 financial licenses in Mexico for banks, and we are in the process of acquiring one. We're very proud of our partners at ABC that are currently integrating into Walla. And pending regulatory approval, we'll be able to close that transaction and offer services to you know more than 130 million people in Mexico. And right. so we're very proud of that. But obviously, that's the biggest challenge. And as we look into other geographies, we don't see many examples outside of Europe. Remember, in Europe, there is a banking union. So with one license in Lithuania or Spain, you offer services across the union that doesn't exist in Latin America. And so financial services is not just heavily regulated. It's also very, very local. And so the biggest challenge is to acquire the licenses that are able to deliver the products to the people that you want to deliver the products to. Is the brand going to be really consistent in the multiple geographies? The brand is consistent, but the experience is different. Once again, finance is very local. Right. And so when we got to Mexico, we started from scratch. We didn't want to work from first principles. We had a lot of learnings from Argentina, but what we brought into Mexico is the ability to service Mexican clients. And so, you know, we did things that didn't exist in Argentina. So, you know, the places where you do cash in, you can also do cash out because that built trust in the brand according to our local research. You know, we launched day one with things that took us 18 months to develop in Argentina, such as, you know, live cash in, you know, connection with the interbank system, which took us, you know, nine months in Argentina like bill payment, which we didn't have at launch in Argentina, like cell phone top-ups with any phone provider in Mexico, which we did not have in Argentina, with over 18,000 locations across Mexico where we could top up your wallet, which we didn't have in Argentina. And so there's the economies of scales of the learning, but also needing to understand what the local product needs to be. And that's necessarily different than your home market so that you service the clients of the new geography. Right, right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you already mentioned a couple of times, ABC Capital, which uh, is a bank in Mexico, and you announced that uh, you're intending to acquire this bank. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the, you've already said like you need to get the licensing in place. Is that for sort of for trust with consumers? Is that for more certainty with regulators or is it a combination? Sometimes licenses are a part of the moat by the established players. Right. And so there's a question in fintech that I think is applicable around the world. There's a race between the incumbents that want to digitalize and the challengers like us that want to be able to grow to challenge the incumbents. And so the question is, who gets there first? Our thesis and the reason we built Walla and, you know, we're just one of the many amazing options across the continent and the world is that building infrastructure from scratch allows you to service clients at a radically lower cost. Mm-hmm. that the incumbents just won't be able to match. Why? Because they have legacy systems that are inefficient, because they have legacy costs like real estate, and because they have a legacy structures that are not compatible with the way that we now can deliver financial services to people faster, cheaper, and 100% digital. 
And so that's the question. What do you believe is going to happen first? We believe in what we are doing, but that requires accessing the licenses. Some places are more open with licenses. Latin America tends to be very, very difficult with licenses, especially for financial intermediation. But eventually, what we believe is that we have enough of a use case with over 10% of Argentina and have almost half a million customers in Mexico to prove that if we are able to acquire those licenses, then we can grow a lot more because the demand is there. You know, more people are going to be paying with a card three years from now than they are today, five years from now than they are then. And so we need more credit. We need more insurance. We need more savings tools. We need more investment tools. People are there, but you need the licenses to be able to service them. Right. So are people there, like obviously cash is still a very big part of Latin America. I mean, are you looking to displace cash or what are you looking to displace? Well, when people ask us what our biggest competitor is, I always say, you know, people tend to think it's Nubank or Mercado Pago. I wish, you know, we like those companies. We like to compete with those companies that are amazing companies, but our biggest enemy is cash. Cash is inefficient. It's expensive for the state. It's very difficult to save on and it's impossible to build credit on. And so we end up with situations across Latin America where, as I'm sure we're going to hear in other sessions, you know, you charge the highest fees to the poorest people. And we're not allowing them to build a credit history that allows them to progress in life. And so that hinders growth in our economies. And that's what we want to change. So with a digital product, not only do you offer services at 90% lower fixed costs, you also are able to offer more services and create a history that allows people to have a credit history. In just in the last month, we've issued over 100,000 loans in one month. Hmm. It's very difficult to do that with the existing infrastructure that a bank would have. Right. And not only that, we do it in a way that builds a credit history that then we share with the central bank, which is not obligatory for us to do, but we do anyway, because we want people to have the ability to have access to that. That's why we also push for open banking, which is very much lagging behind in our region and where we all need to push forward because more data means more opportunities. And ultimately, the information is not the companies, it's the users. Right. Right. So then are you seeing any traditional banks in the region or particularly in Argentina and Mexico that are lifting their game as a result? Obviously, you're not growing in a vacuum here and banks don't want to lose market share. So how are you seeing the response from traditional banks? There's plenty of response. They're all moving very fast and they're all digitizing. You know, only a couple of weeks ago, Santander launched their digital bank in, in Argentina, Open Bank. They're working on it in in Mexico, Mexico's incredible banks. The product suite at, at Bancomer is very good. Obviously, at uh, Banorte is very good. You know, we have great partners and competitors in Mexico. And we also have digital competitors like Mercado Pago or Nubank. But ultimately, 80% of transactions in Mexico are cash. 75% in Argentina. Almost 80% in Colombia. 90% in Paraguay or Peru. Like, the chances for all of us to work together, provide financial services in a cheaper, more accessible way, and beat cash. And so there's so much room for everybody to grow. Where we see things are going is like, you know, in China, 70% of all transactions are digital today. In Europe, over 50% after the pandemic. There's so much room to grow in Latin America. And that's why we need more people providing more services. And frankly, something that Latin Americans are not used to, we need more competition. We don't need (laughs) monopolies. We need more competition between different products. So as I always say to my friends at the banks, come, come for me, get me, beat me make a better product. And that means we all win because that means there are more options for more people. You mentioned China and they famously went from pretty much all cash to all digital within about a decade. Is there a similar timeline that you have in mind for for Latin America when it comes to moving from cash to a more digital transaction? 
it's difficult to put a number on it. I just think that the pandemic has accelerated the changes. And obviously, there are many, many needed regulatory changes as well, especially on the tax side in Latin America. But Brazil's moving in that direction. I think systems like PICS and open banking push that agenda. That's why I'm very happy to see Transfers 3.0 that was just launched in Argentina, which makes instant transfers much more widely available. The same with Cody and Spain, Mexico, which radically improves the infrastructure. So the faster the transfers exist, the less rejections there will be to the elimination of cash. And ultimately, then it's up to people to make that transition. I, I don't think cash will ever stop being legal tender because you kind of force people to operate in certain systems. But I think it's just going to be so much more convenient to build a credit history. And when I go to the US right now, I pay everything with, with my NFC-enabled phone. And so you know, the question about QR and NFC doesn't really matter as much as beat cash together with different options, with more competition, and with better rails for payments. And I think Latin America is developing those. Right. So last question then, you haven't mentioned the word crypto at all yet. I'd love to get some sense of how you view it as you know, an offering for your customers and then maybe even using some of the technology yourself. I mean, where do you stand on crypto today? It's a great question. And we get asked this all the time. The situation is that as you scale these products and you stop being a, a solution for 20,000 people and adding more than 20,000 people and customers every week, then you, you lose the ability to just do whatever you want without any consequence. And so I think that what we need in Latin America is a clear regulatory stance, and we don't have it. And so I cannot really answer positively or negatively whether I can offer crypto services in Mexico, in Brazil, in Argentina, in Peru. It's very unclear. And there are some regulatory sandboxes. There are some regulators that want to crack it down, others that want to allow it in some limited fashion. It's just not clear. And that's what happens when there are financial innovations. But when you deal with regulated entities, be them a bank, or an asset manager, both of which we have now in, in Argentina, or a bank in Mexico, very difficult for us to judge. And so what we need is a clear regulatory stance, because I believe there's a lot of innovation in crypto. There's a lot of interest and very fast growing adoption, which is something that I personally was wrong about two years ago. As we see very fast adoption, we need to know if we can they can touch the bank rails or they will never be allowed to touch the bank rails. And so I think it's up to the regulators to tell us what we can and cannot do, because the innovation there is Plentiful. So are you hearing demand from your customers specifically? Yes, 100%. Yes. Okay. But right now they're operating in wallets that are offshore yep. that sometimes have very feeble connections with the local payment system. If I was running 20,000 accounts, it'd be one thing, but I'm running almost 4 million and we have regulated entities. So we really need the clarity from the central bank or from the banking authority, depending on the market to say, well, this you can do, this you cannot do. And we also need to understand how that will interact with compliance, because obviously, if a regulator, as it has happened in other countries in Latin America, deems every crypto transaction suspicious from an AML and KYC perspective, then it's impractical for any institution to offer those services. Because if you have to audit every single transaction, even a $2 transaction, just like you audit you know, when somebody cashes in a million dollars, then your compliance team needs to be as large as your company, and it just doesn't work. And that's why I think ultimately... In order for us to profit from the great innovation that we're seeing in crypto and, and Web 3.0 more generally, we need regulatory clarity. Right. And we need that in the US too, I think, in most places around the world. Yeah. So, And I think a lot of countries are waiting for the US and specifically for the SEC to say, okay, this is the way. Hopefully that, that will happen soon. So, Pierre Polo, it's always great to chat with you. Thanks again for coming on today. A great pleasure to be here. Okay. See you. Bye. I hope you can appreciate now why I really wanted to make my interview into a podcast and share it out to the broader audience because 
Pierre Paulo really is a force of nature. He has done an incredible job. And, you know, I think they're just a company that we all should be paying attention to. Everyone's paying attention to New Bank right now as they're going through their IPO. But Walla, I think, is just as impressive. And they're a little bit behind as far as how long they've been in business compared to New Bank. But I think they are going to be the next really powerhouse company in Latin America. And I wanted to make sure you all knew about them. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Before we go, I want to remind you about a new event from Lended Fintech. Nexus, the Dealmakers Summit, is all about making deals. We'll be bringing together a select group of venture capitalists, bankers, fintechs, and debt investors for two days of face-to-face meetings in Miami on February 7th and 8th. Also at Nexus will be Lendit's famous industry award show, back in person for the first time since 2019. You can find out more about all our upcoming events at lendit.com. 